listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. How do we all go with that? That was a total of three minutes that we were in that little space. I don't know if that felt like an eternity for you or if it went really quickly. Um, Probably varied experiences in the room. I um, remember... When God actually got me to start doing this, we were doing a prayer meeting for Red like years ago in our old cottage um, building in Orchard Grove and felt like I was meant to go. And I remember when I got there, I was like, right, ready to pray, going to get into it. And um, God was like, cool, I'm going to get you to pray this passage. And I was like, okay. So I went, it wasn't this one, it was a different one, but at the time I read it and I was like, okay, I've read it and prayed it. He's like, yeah, okay, do it, do it again. Went, okay. So I read it and prayed it and he's like, just keep doing that. Anyway, week after week, kept turning up being like, maybe it's time for a new passage. No, same one, same one. Keep reading, keep praying. And I'm like, okay. And it was really interesting to, I don't know if it happened to you just now, but to feel um, kind of changes in me. As I was reading it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of other thoughts in my brain right now. Often get distracted and you kind of had to be like, oh, wait, got to come back. That's why I love having a scripture because you can read it and it draws you back to one thing. The other thing I noticed or was really thankful for what God was teaching me, he was kind of talking to me about how to listen better. Having one thing on your mind, we actually, we don't do that very often anymore. And I realized my capacity to listen um, was probably quite minimal um, because I was so easily distracted. But he was teaching me how to listen. And as the weeks went on, what else happened is I not only heard these words in a new way, But it's almost as if they became this pattern and this rhythm within me. And what came with it was actually peace and a stillness that I'd never felt before. And I was like, what is this? I began to receive and understand God's presence in a whole new way. And all I was doing was repeating a passage in a room on a Monday night over and over again. But there was something really significant in that for me. And I'm so thankful God did it. It's basically the way he's taught me to receive and hear from him. And what a gift that is. We are all desiring to hear from God, and I am thankful that he trained me in that. And it's something I still practice and need to practice every day. But that's actually what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight, and what I felt I was led to talk to about. It's how we receive from God and how we hear from God. That's what I love to share with you and explore this evening. Now, there's something about these topics. You may have heard them before. You may have heard a sermon on them, and we know that it's good to hear from God and to receive from him, but it's different to really believe they're important and to actually live that way. There's change that comes. And what does it look like as we've been exploring in this this series to live every day with the Holy Spirit, with Father, with Jesus, a constant relationship with him? And this is something that grows. As I said, God got me to do it week after week. Our receptivity, our awareness of God doesn't just kind of happen. It's something we have to cultivate. And if we don't, we neglect it, it doesn't, nothing really happens. It's not that he's not talking, he is, but our ability to hear it is significantly altered if we don't practice. So what is required of us is discipline. And I don't know where that landed when I said that word, discipline. It has a bit of a funny feel sometimes. It can be like, oh, Brit, that's another task you're going to get me to do. I already have a lot of discipline in my life. Or the other end of like, I really don't like discipline. I struggle with it. And I hear that. It's a hard word and it has many connotations. I think there's a sense in which discipline often feels like control. And if you think about it with children, parents often discipline their children to control them. So 
yeah, that makes sense. But actually what I'm talking about is a little bit different, and I think Henry Nguyen explains it really well when he talks about what it means in a spiritual life. He says, yes, that in the spiritual life, the word discipline means the effort to create some space in which God can act. Discipline means to prevent everything in your life being filled up. Discipline means that somewhere you're not occupied, and certainly not preoccupied. In the spiritual life, discipline means to create that space in which something can happen that you hadn't planned on or counted on. I much prefer that definition. It's a bit more exciting, isn't it? We're meant to create space where something that we hadn't expected could happen. I want to ask you, is there time in your life right now for that? Do you have space in your days, in your weeks? I don't know what everyone's life is, but I know that living in Melbourne in the time we're in with the pressures that we have, our lives are pretty busy. So unless we actually make the time, sometimes, well, most of the time, that's not going to happen. You have to carve out this time. You have to create it. You have to set it aside. And why is it so important that we do this? Why is it so important? to follow these disciplines. It's a part of what it means to follow Jesus. When we said yes to following him, and maybe you're here tonight exploring that, understanding who Jesus is. But when you have said yes to following him, we're designed to be disciples of him. And then we need to create other patterns in our lives that keep affirming that choice and keep telling us about who we are and what we're designed to be doing. And so setting aside this time is a space to receive from God. And it's so important because it's in that space that we receive and understand our identity. Yet you create space to hear from God, for him to say to you and tell you who you are. Because actually, I don't know if you've realized it or not, but we're constantly asking that question. Who am I? Subtly, subconsciously sometimes, we leave our homes wondering about who am I? How am I contributing to the world? What is my life meant to look like? It's an ongoing question that we have. Who am I? And God responds with, you, my child, or my beloved daughter, or my beloved son. And he wants to keep saying that to us because we need to hear it. We keep asking. And he wants to have opportunity to speak that over us time and again. This is the voice that Jesus heard when he was baptized or after he was baptized. If you read about it in the Gospels, it's father said to him, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's really interesting if you know this is before he does any ministry. It's just, I love you, son, for who you are. It's a powerful moment. And as I said, it's a moment that God desires to have with us daily. But, you know, it's really interesting reading that account in the Gospels because straight after his baptism, he goes into the wilderness and the enemy does everything he can to ask Jesus to prove who he is. Okay, God says to his son, all right, prove that. Change these rocks into bread. Prove your worth. Or prove that you can make a difference. Prove that you can have impact. Why don't you jump off the temple and see what God can do? Or, it's fun, and grab some power. You'll have influence, right? That's what you're here for. You're meant to influence the world. Good. 
why don't you just yeah, do these miracles? Just, just use a little bit of your supernatural power. And it's incredible to hear Jesus time and again say, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. And he knows because he's spent time with the Father, being told about his identity. And I don't know about you, I don't always feel like I have the enemy in my ear sometimes. I don't know, it's always that tangible for us, but we certainly have many other voices trying to tell us who we are. As soon as you leave in the morning, it begins. And there's some similarities between us. I mean, us as humanity, also between us. But there's, oh no, there's um, this sense in which we all want to contribute in the world. We want to be a part of something. We want to create something. Some of us are desperate to write a book. Some of us are really keen to find a cure for a particular illness that is bringing some damage to people's lives. Others of us are hungry to actually just sit with someone and bring comfort. Or even to share the gospel. There's something within us that wants to contribute, to feel a part of it, to feel like we're making a difference, to be able to reflect back on our days, weeks, years, on our lives and say, yeah, I did something. And that's good, right? That's normal. That's what drives a lot of us. That's why we pick the particular jobs that we have because we want to contribute. It's a good sign of mental and spiritual health. However, in our competitive and goal-oriented society, this can kind of get a little bit distorted because we can easily turn the results of our work and what we're doing um, and use that to critique our self-esteem and understand who we are. And then we think about the different successes that we have and how that looks, and we kind of want to top each one every time we reach a particular goal. So we not only have our successes, quickly our successes become who we are. And it can be just this little subtle change that happens. You might not really notice it. Or even the fact that we may not feel like we're being successful, and so we feel lesser. There's little things that come in and speak identity over us or claim who we are. Sometimes, I don't know if you experience this, but I feel like life can be like a bit of, we've got a bit of a scoreboard happening of just like, we're looking for affirmation from people. When someone says to you, oh, you're really intelligent, you're just like, yes, okay, that's good, one score. Or they say thank you for helping them out. And that's good, these are good things, but it's like, okay, yep, I'm, I've got some place, I know what I'm doing. Or even... Um, someone talking to you about you being really important, that you were really needed there. And again, you may have been, but it's almost like each time you get a little point on your scoreboard and you're like, yes, this is who I am. But I don't know about you, but it causes this big, crazy, scary cycle because you've got to keep topping your last success because you would hate for people to see that maybe that wasn't actually you. We create these expectations that we need to live up to. I think this is often an undercurrent of our life, but sometimes it becomes louder when we maybe lose our job, or even in those transitions into uni or yeah, into a new job being like, hold on, who am I, where am I going, what am I meant to do with my time? That's when it becomes really loud. And perhaps the idea of silence, of solitude, of spending time with God, of stopping, actually frightens you because you think those things and it often can happen, those voices of who am I actually get really loud. And it feels like it's going to be a really confronting experience. And do you know what? The enemy loves that. That's one of his favorite things, to be like, all right, I'll amplify them as you slow down. 
but also there's real power when we sit in silence and solitude. Because we're always asking this question, what does it look like to actually sit and to receive an answer? There's a gift in the quiet because it's in that very space that you hear the whisper of the Father. But you have to be quiet to hear a whisper. Where he says, you are my beloved. That's who you are. Not what you do. Not what your successes are. I don't know if you remember when you were little. This happened to me a lot. I was quite a daydreamer. Um, I'd often get lost in supermarkets or when I'd be out in centres. <laughs> Trudy says me too. All the time. I'm daydreaming or like having a moment, staring at something, and then next minute my parents are gone. Have you guys had these experiences? Do you remember when you were little? And do you remember the feeling of panic where you're like, where is everyone? Where have I, I don't know what to do. I'm frozen and like your heart starts to kind of like quiver and you're just like, oh my gosh. And there's this fear and this unknown. And then once you actually look up and look ahead, you see your father bend down and call out your name and say, hey, come here. You're here. It's okay. This is where you belong. And that quivering heart is quickly silenced and stilled, and there's presence. Sometimes we're still like those little people, waiting for God to call and say, actually, no, this is where you belong. Come on. You belong with me. I haven't lost you. We need to hear that. Because if we don't spend time hearing that and letting that embed in our hearts and in our lives, we will leave our houses, we will start our days looking for it in other people, wanting to seek affirmation. Unwittingly, we do this, running and trying to find it in other things. And the West celebrates that. That's the illusion of the culture we live in. Yes, success will fulfill you. Keep seeking, keep going after it. But actually, that's not your story. The passage we started with is such a good reminder of what it's about. In Lamentations, it said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning you can sit with Father and ask him, who am I? Or you can sit with Father and say, I'm sorry for the ways that I chose a different identity or ran from you. His mercies are new every morning. I grew up in the church and I think sometimes I forget the power of the gospel. I need to be reminded of that daily to be like, oh my gosh, that's grace and love and mercy and that's what marks me. It's so important that we have space to do that, to hear it, not just hear it, to receive it and believe in it. Because what counts in your life and what counts in my life is not success, but actually the fruit of our lives. And we've been talking about this over the last few months. Living life in the spirit produces fruits. It's not things that we can measure. It's not things that we compare with others. It's actually out of an overflow of the love the Father gives and implants in us, being with him. I'm going to actually read from John 15, which talks about this. If you want to look it up in the Bibles that are in front of you, you're so welcome to. It's on page 752. So we're in John 15, verse 5 to 11. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I don't know if you've heard this passage before. It's a really, it's one of my favorites. And as I speak more and we talk about this, it's almost like you can hear Jesus saying, remain in me, come back to me, find life in me. You're designed to be with me. What does it look like to remain with him? It's to be open and to receive from him constantly. And to believe in what he says and follow that. To regularly receive his truth. But first of all, we need to believe that he actually wants to speak to us. So much of hearing from God is actually about believing that he, he wants to speak to you. Something happens when you begin to think that way. It's like it opens up a doorway, it opens up a pathway. Your faith creates a space for Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit to speak. And what qualifies you to hear from the Father? Well, Jesus said that you just have to be his sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's it. That's what qualifies you. If you follow Jesus, if you believe he's King and Lord, you are one of his little sheep. He's your shepherd and you'll hear his voice. Second thing that we need to do is actually to expect, to expect to hear from him. Again, we've talked about over the last few months what it looks like to live life in the spirit and actually expect that he is at work, that he's moving, that he's going to reveal things. Toza said that our pursuit of God is successful just because he is forever seeking to manifest himself to us. He loves to do it. So we can expect that he will. So we need to believe, we need to expect, and finally, Actually, before I move on, when we are seeking God, what we're actually expecting and seeking is relationship with him. We're not doing it to get something from him. So we're not seeking just a word or an image or whatever it may be. Actually, it's always about relationship with the Father. We're seeking him first. Those things can often flow out from that. But it's so important to remember that. Not coming with an agenda, but actually just being like, Father, I just want to see you, I want to know you, and I really want to hear from you. Simply. Third one, listen. Like any conversation, it's really important to give your attention and your focus to the person who is speaking with you. As I read out earlier from Henry Nguyen, Discipline is creating that space for that to happen. To have a conversation with the Father where he may actually say things that you have never heard before or he may do things that you haven't planned or counted on, as Henry Nguyen talks about. 
And not only that, as, I, as we talk about being in conversation, as I mentioned at the very start, when God taught me how to listen, he was teaching me how to listen, it's not just with your ears, it's actually with all of you. Just as when I talk to Terry, I look at Terry, smile at Terry, say her name, gesture. I give her my full attention. I think sometimes we take or just feel like it has to be different with God, but it doesn't. It's the same thing. It's just giving ourselves his full attention, and he loves that. But sometimes I think we are really good at having a conversation with God where we're talking to God, and it's almost like we're sitting across the table from him being like, right, God, this is what's happening. This is what's going on in my life. I'd love to just hear a bit more. What are your thoughts? Great. And then just kind of walk away. And then we're like, can you speak a little louder? I can't hear you. It's like, actually, you've got to stay and listen. It's a conversation. You've got to remain with him. What does he want to say to you? Create that space. And listen here, not just here. I think it's also really important to consider how you expect to hear from God. I think our expectations can vary. We've been reading um, Everyday Supernatural as we've been looking at this series. Um, It's by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft. Excellent book. We have it at the bookstore. So easy to read. Um, And Mike talks about when he was learning how to hear from God, and he said he actually expected God to speak to him with a booming voice. He was waiting for that moment. And I know I've had that. I often would be like, God, it'd be really cool to actually hear your voice. And I know people that have experienced that. Not heaps, but it does happen. And it did happen in the Bible as well. But actually, a lot of the time, God speaks softly. You read about it in the story in 1 Kings of Elijah when he's waiting to hear God's voice and there's a thunder, a thunder, and it's not in the thunder, or in the wind, not there, or in fire, it's not there. We expect it to be this epic thing. And then finally, at the end of that story, it says it was in a whisper. And there's many different ways that God communicates with his people. Sometimes it is a voice. But often, it can be through other means. He spoke to Joseph through dreams. He spoke to Gideon through a fleece. I don't know if God talks to you in that way. I know he does to me sometimes when I'm out and about. I'll see something in nature and I feel like it's God talking to me. Something that sparks my attention or affirms what he's been saying. He spoke to Jeremiah while someone was making pottery. Through that action, through being a part of that, smelling that, seeing it. And even if you read the story about the people that came to visit Jesus... It's interesting to note how they all heard from God to arrive at the right place. The Magi heard through the stars. That's how they heard God or received from him. And unless you're Moses, where you get to chat to God face to face, he had it pretty good. Had it pretty good. It says in Numbers that um, we'll often hear from God in a whisper and in riddles, which is a little bit hard I will say, saying that myself, sometimes I'm just like, God, I'd just love to hear a real direct answer. (laughs) Go right ahead, I'm ready. But it doesn't quite work that way. And it's it's not out of anything that God's trying to hide from us. Actually, there's something really beautiful in it because 
He's wanting a relationship with us. I want you to think about when someone whispers to you, what do you instinctively do? If someone's whispering, yeah, move closer. That's what he wants you to do. So he'll whisper so you come closer. It's always about relationship with the Father. He wants you to come closer. And so we need to be quiet, to be still, to hear from him. We need to pay close attention. I was um, catching up with someone not long ago and we were just out in a park chatting and I had that day or the day before, I just had a wonderful moment and I was just describing it to this person where I'd seen this rainbow and I, I love rainbows and I was just kind of like talking about it, nothing super exciting and then all of a sudden she was like, oh my gosh, rainbow! And I'm like, what? What happened? There wasn't one. I just was like, I don't know what's just happened. I was just talking to you. She's like, oh no, you don't understand though. So this morning, I was like, yeah? She's like, I asked God, I'm trying to practice how to hear from him. I asked God to um, show me something or tell me something that I really wanted to hear from him today. And I felt like I got the word rainbow. And I was like, I don't really think so. I think that's probably just me. And she's like, I've been looking for it all day. It's not been a rainbow. And I was like, maybe I just didn't hear from God. And then when you said rainbow, it's almost in the afterthought that I was like, that's what it was. And for you and for me, rainbow, eh, like not super exciting. But... It was exciting for her because it was her being like, oh, God, actually, he spoke to me in that moment. And it's not something that maybe she'll remember in years to come necessarily, but what she will remember is actually that God took the time to make himself known. It's always about relationship. He affirmed her and was faithful to who he is as well in that moment. There's something powerful in that. So, as I said, he whispers and sometimes he speaks in riddles or in different ways to what we would imagine. And again, as Henry says, it's what we're called to do is create space to hear and to receive that. Probably one of the biggest questions that come with talking about what it means to hear from God is, how do you know if it's God or yourself? Anyone asked that question before? Yeah, mm, lots of mms. Excellent. <laughs> Um, simple answer, you don't. Um, sorry, everyone. Um, I'll just be honest, be honest. You actually can't ever be like, this is definitely God. But the more you listen, the more you spend time receiving from him, you will begin to grow in your discernment. And I've noticed, as God's done it with me, and as I've watched it with others or heard from others, when you actually respond to what you believe is God, it actually gets louder. It's this really cool, like, faith moment where it's like, okay, I'm not sure, but if it is God, I'm just going to go with it. And it's like he amplifies it or highlights it in a new way. And you're like, oh, that was you. So when we respond, something happens. And no one ever gets to a place where they don't need to trust God in that moment. Because remember, it's always about relationship with him. And secondly... No one ever gets to a place where they'll never mishear God. We will often mishear him, but that's okay. It's relationship. It's not done in any other way. It's, it's good. And because it's in relationship, when we think we might mishear, you can always just ask him to clarify. I know for so long I would feel like I heard from God, and then I was like, okay, good, I've got to work it out. What did you say? What was it? 
And then God was like, why don't you ask me? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> but it's so freeing to be like, I actually didn't quite catch that. Or it's like he walks past and you're like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What did you just say? I didn't get that. Can you say it again, please? And he will. Or maybe he'll use a different way to say it or a different thing. It's always about relationship. So what does it look like to discern his voice? Because there's many other voices in our lives. What is it like when God talks or when he speaks? I would like you to do something for me right now. I'm going to ask you in your mind to say your address, your postal address. Go for it. good. I'm assuming that's finished. Um, that's often the same way that God will speak to you. That, that place where you just went, God will probably speak there. Although you probably said this this morning and you ordered it as well. It's so great. You probably won't look like you're trying to concentrate on something. I think that's my address. Yeah, okay, back right. It's not a strain or an effort. It actually just lands. It lands in the same place. But often people talk about the fact that it might actually be a thought that you probably wouldn't have thought of. It kind of comes to you and you're like, oh, that was not me. Or even if you're on that topic or you're not really, yeah, you're kind of in that area of thought, it's still something different about it. And again, you can ask God to clarify. But not only that, there's something else that happens when God speaks. There's something else that's attached to it. It's like his presence and his power comes with it. So every time... In my experience and what I've heard of others, when I hear from God, what comes with it is peace, joy, assurance, and this sense of being drawn closer. The other way to help discern what God's voice is like and if it's him speaking to you is through the Bible. He's spoken. It's one of the main ways that we actually hear from God is through his word. And you understand who he is and the way that he talks and about his character when you read the Bible. So when he says something to you, you can be like, yeah, that sounds like God. You are my beloved child. That's said throughout the Bible in numerous ways. So you can be sure that that's the Father. Again, when we're learning to discern his voice, when we're learning to hear from him, it's not something that we have to strive or strain at or be successful at. What we're required to do is to listen and receive and to seek him, to seek that first. And I love sometimes it's good to actually ask God questions. It's important. He knows the life we lead and the things that we face. But in my experience, when God answers a question, it's not usually on the topic or the thing that you were asking about, which I find intriguing. But... What happens is that he speaks into something deeper. He conveys something more to us. He reminds us of who he is and who we are all at the same time. He doesn't want to just answer our questions. He desires to impart something to us, to imprint something in us. I've had this experience a few times. Um, one of the yeah, moments where this happened, I remember I was talking to God about what I was meant to be doing 
in my life unsure, looking to peers around me, being like, well, they're kind of doing that and I don't think I'm smart enough to do that, right? Do I need to study more? Do I need to do this? And just so many questions of actually, what am I meant to do and who am I? I remember sitting with God being like, okay, what am I meant to do? Really direct question. And then some time passed and I was spending time with God, created some space and I felt like he said to me, you are designed to listen. You're created to listen. And not just for you, but for those around you. And I was like, oh. So he didn't answer with, Brit, you're going to go to um, La Trobe and study this course. No, he wanted to speak something deeper. He wanted to impart something to me that I now carry with me. And every time I think about, actually, who am I and where I'm going? Oh, I'm designed to listen. There's something sturdy and strong about it. I carry with it, it with me now. And I'm so thankful that he wasn't just like, yeah, go ahead and do this course. Actually, it was like, Britt, I see you. I know you. I love you. You have place and meaning because of who you are in me. And I've created you to listen. He conveyed who he was and who I was all in one answer. So when he answers us, he wants to impart something to us and to imprint something in us. And again, that requires us to be open to him answering in a pretty unique in different ways. The other way that you can hear from God or see things or receive from him is in visions. And again, if you read the Bible, you'll hear about this time and again, particularly in Acts, there's heaps of visions in there. Some people actually have um, visitations from angels. Visions, yeah, they vary. They really vary. And again, I've had friends and heard stories um, where people have seen angels and all sorts of things. That hasn't happened to me personally, um, but maybe one day. There are other ways that God actually gives us visions. And so I'm going to get you to do something else right now. Again, I want you to imagine in your mind, at this moment, Flinders Street Station. Go for it. Cool. What you just did was flashing that image onto what you can call the screen of your mind. And that's actually the same place that God will give you an image. He uses our human faculties. He made us and he's like, cool, let me speak to you through the way I've made you. So the way you just imagine Flinders Street Station is often the way he'll show you a picture. It doesn't actually mean that you will completely lose your vision and something comes before you. Actually, it can just be this little passing thing. And again, it requires us to be paying attention to notice it. To be like, actually, was that you? What did I just see? What does that mean? What do you want me to do with it? God's speaking all the time. He uses so many different things. Visions is just one of those, or images is just one of those. Sometimes he will repeat words or scriptures or phrases. I've had stories of people who will read something in the morning from their devotion or spending time with God. Later in the day, someone they've met with will incidentally say that scripture had no idea. And then you arrive at church, and lo and behold, the preacher is preaching on that passage. Friends, that's God talking to you. <laughs> There's so many ways that he does it, because he's constantly talking. Eva has shared this story before, and it's one of my favorites. Thank you, Eva. Um, she was, it was early on in faith, exploring 
what um, or who Jesus was, had read about him, but was desperate to understand more, to be like, I don't understand who Jesus is. Anyway, she's kind of in the wrestle in these couple of weeks. She finds herself at Laser Pig waiting for a, a pizza, standing there. It's good pizza. It's a good place to have it. Um, and asking this question again, just within herself, God, can you please just reveal who Jesus is? I just really want to understand. And in that moment, she turns around, and on the wall is the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. And she has a bit of a laugh, because that's hilarious. Being like, oh, God, you're so funny. He has a sense of humor. You ask him who he is, you turn around, there's a picture of Jesus. (laughs) I answered. He's speaking all the time. And I love it. I love that he can catch us off guard almost in that way. But we really need to be people who are open to being interrupted being interrupted. Are you interruptible? What does it look like to create space every day to hear from God, to be reminded who we are, to hear that voice speak over our quivering hearts and saying, this is your place and this is where you belong. To grow in our ability to receive from him, as I said at the start, it requires us to have some disciplines. There are a couple of things that we can do. Firstly, we need to reclaim time. And this is not me being like, okay, add more hours to your day. No, no, no. You know there are spaces in your day where you could reclaim some time or carve out time. I don't know where that is, but you will know. Create space for God to speak and allow him to speak. The second one is to read the Bible classic. I say it all the time because it's the word. It's good, it's life, it's light. And as I said, that's often one of the biggest ways that the that Father speaks to us. You can practice in prayer. Ask God to speak to you, just as I shared earlier about the rainbow. It can be as simple as that. All right, God, I'd really like to hear from you today. Is there anything that you want to say or I need to keep my eye out for? So we need to pray and ask him. Don't forget to create space to listen as well on that. And maybe even a good way to remember what you've heard throughout the day is to keep a journal. And I'm not like saying, you know, the journal of, okay, this is my day and this is how it went. If you do that, that's great. It is a really good way to reflect. But what I mean is actually spending time in your day being like, I'm pretty sure I heard a word or I saw a picture. Just write it down, no pressure. But there's something really powerful in documenting this because sometimes God will affirm that picture or that word later on in your week or in that month or even at the end of the year. And it's really powerful to see that actually you've been in conversation with him that whole time. So keep a journal. And the other thing I want to encourage you to do is make most of the times that you are alone. Those little moments that you have, whether you're waiting for a coffee, don't get your phone out. Ask God, still yourself or just before you get up in the morning, or even just before you go to bed, go to sleep. Reclaim those times. And I want to encourage you to be patient, because as I've said so many times this evening, it's about relationship. And as you know, and as I know, relationship takes time, but it's worth it. And it's significant. These practices, these things we are doing, actually will create an overflow within us. That's what it looks like to remain in Jesus. To have disciplines that say, yeah, I want to keep following you. I want to hear from you. To allow God to imprint his truth on us. And not only will you be changed by it, 
but actually you begin to be people, I begin to be a person that actually speaks out that love for others, that calls that out for others. And it's really significant in a world that's marked by success to be people that do not live by that framework. And in fact, take the time to say, I see you, I value you, just as God does with us. We are meant to live lives that are defined by the Father's love, not by success. We're going to have some ministry time now. It's something that we've been doing regularly here at Red Church. And basically, this is an opportunity for us to spend time receiving from God. But we just get to do it all together, which is kind of fun. So no pressure. Again, this isn't about you receiving a word or feeling like you're participating in something. Like you, have, you don't have to achieve anything here. It's purely just, all right, God, what do you want to say or what do you want to do? Or actually, God, I'm just going to sit with you. So I'm going to invite Holy Spirit to come. We're going to get the band back up. We're going to do some praise and worship and actually listen and see what God wants to say. So let me pray um, to enter into that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come before you now as children, knowing that we have a place and knowing that you delight in us just being with you. And I just really ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would move, that you would speak, that you would lead, and that that we as your people would be present to you, that we'd give you our full attention. Thank you that it is your heart to reveal who you are. And so we come open and ready to receive. Holy Spirit, may you have your way. Amen.